Chapter 6, Part 3 of The Greater Life and Work of Christ. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Pretorius. The Greater Life and Work of Christ by Alexander Patterson. The apostate church is represented under two figures, the harlot and Babylon. The symbol of a woman is everywhere in scripture a figure of a church, true or apostate. The harlot represents the apostate spiritual body. She is now exalted to a state of dignity outwardly never before enjoyed. Her place before was that of widowhood, waiting for her returning heavenly spouse. She has given this up and rejected him, for she boasts, I sit a queen and am no widow, and shall see no mourning. The following extended extract from Dr. Oberlin describes the rise and nature of the mysterious body called the harlot. The word harlot describes the essential character of the false church. She retains her human shape, remains a woman, does not become a beast she has the form of godliness but denies the power thereof her rightful husband jehovah christ and the joys and goods of his house are no longer hers all in all but she runs after the visible and vain things of the world in its manifold manifestations this whoredom appears in its proper form where the church wishes itself to be a worldly power uses politics and diplomacy makes flesh her arm, uses unholy means for holy ends, spreads her dominion by sword or money, fascinates the hearts of men by sensual ritualism, allows herself to become mistress of ceremonies to the dignitaries of this world, and flatters prince or people, the living or the dead. Whenever the church forgets that she is in the world, even as Christ was in the world, as a bearer of the cross and a pilgrim, or that the world is crucified to her and judged, such is the character of the harlot. And it is not only a church here and a church there, it is not only the church in its individual manifestations that is meant here, but Christendom as a whole, even as Israel as a whole had become a harlot. The true believers are hidden and dispersed. The invisible church is within the visible. It cannot be said here or there is the harlot, and here or there is not, as little as it can be said, lo, there is Christ, or there. The boundary lines which separate the harlot and woman are not local, are not confessional. John Michael Hahn says, The harlot is not the city of Rome alone, neither is it the roman catholic church to the exclusion of another but all churches and every church ours included all christendom which is without the spirit and life of our lord jesus which calls itself christian and has neither christ's mind nor spirit it is called babylon that is confusion for false christendom divided into many churches and sects is truly and strictly a confuser however in all churches parties and sects of christendom the true jesus congregation lives and is hidden babylon while identical in some respects with the harlot is larger it is the ecclesiastical system as distinguished from the spiritual body in this time church and state are one 
Antichrist as Christ is to be the head of both church and state. The whole forms a vast worldwide combination of political and religious power which will far outstrip anything we know of now with superhuman intelligence and the development of faculties now lying dormant in man and nature there will be such advantages in invention and discovery as to make all we see and know as the doings of children the world will believe it has attained to the state of perfection and security and happiness there is also a people of god on earth during the day of the lord the day of the lord is not all judgment mercy is offered all this time peter in his pentecostal discourse quotes the prophecy of joel giving the beginning and ending of the gospel age in which occurs this prophecy of the end whosoever shall call on the name of the lord shall be saved god is not even in the day of judgment willing that any shall perish but that all shall come unto him and live all this is another effort to awaken mankind and make men see and hear and feel and repent it is for this reason the respites are given there are many other hints of the presence on earth of some of the people of god all during the day of judgment the satanic kingdom makes war with the saints and overcomes them all on the earth worship him except those written in the lamb's book of life at this time is written here is the patience and faith of the saints those who do not worship the image of the beast and who do not take his mark on head or hands are shut off from buying or selling it is sometimes stated that the holy spirit leaves the world with the translation of the people of god there does not appear to be any scriptural statement to this effect it is an interference and apparently unwarranted since there are people of god on earth all the time as we have seen the holy spirit must be with them and as the gospel is preached he remains to do his spiritual work in the gospel after this occurs a worldwide call to repentance this is after the rise and ascendancy of the antichrist and his political system and the satanic church and just before the outpouring of the vials of wrath and i saw another angel flying in mid-heaven having an eternal gospel to proclaim unto them that dwell on the earth and unto every nation and tribe and tongue and people and he saith with a great voice fear god and give him glory for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made the heaven and the earth and the sea and fountains of waters this is undoubtedly a call to the heathen nations or those to which the gospel was preached as a witness they now hear it certified to by this supernatural agency and many believe and are saved we read afterward of their state and fate here is the patience of the saints they that keep the commandments of god and the faith of jesus and i heard a voice from heaven saying right blessed are the dead which die in the lord from henceforth yea saith the spirit that they may rest from their labours for their works follow with them 
terrible persecution is implied in this so that death is a blessed relief from their state of suffering those who are thus delivered from the greater pharaoh and come across this greater red sea of deliverance are thus described and i saw as it were a glassy sea mingled with fire and them that come victorious from the beast and from his image and from the number of his name standing by the glassy sea having harps of god and they sing the song of moses the servant of god and the song of the lamb these are expressly described as victors in the satanic age we have described in these scriptures and that they were translated in a fair inference from their position and the figure of the sea and their song it is at the climax of the triumphs of antichrist's kingdom the new course of judgment are poured out so it is before the beginning of the day of god this world is in the highest point of attainment of civilization and unbelief when the blackness of the last day falls upon it as a snare so before the trumpet judgments so now antichrist is in the summit of his glory the people of god have been once more almost if not altogether exterminated a long time of quiet from the plagues has passed the world comes to believe their adored ruler is equal to any emergency which may arise they have forgotten again the plagues of the past the vials are poured out these are worldwide in extent they are described as follows and the first went and poured his bowl upon the earth and it became a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and which worshipped his image and the second poured out his bowl into the sea and it became blood as of a dead man and every living soul died even the things that were in the sea and the third poured out his bowl into the rivers and the fountains of the waters and it became blood and i heard the angel of the waters saying righteous art thou which art and which wast thou holy one because thou didst thus judge for they poured out the blood of saints and prophets and blood hast thou given them to drink they are worthy and i heard the altar saying yeah o lord god the almighty true and righteous are thy judgments and the fourth poured out his bowl upon the sun and it was given unto it to scorch men with fire and men were scorched with great heat and they blasphemed the name of god which hath the power over these plagues and they repented not to give him glory and the fifth poured out his bowl upon the throne of the beast and his kingdom was darkened and they gnawed their tongues for pain and they blasphemed the god of heaven because of their pains and their sores and they repented not of their works and the sixth poured out his bowl upon the great river the river euphrates and the water thereof was dried up that the way might be made ready for the kings that come from the sun rising and the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air and there came forth a great voice out of the temple from the throne saying it is done and there were lightings and voices and thunders and there was a great earthquake such as was not since there were men upon the earth so great an earthquake so mighty and the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and babylon the great was remembered in the sight of god to give under her 
the cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath and every island fled away and the mountains were not found and a great hail every stone about the weight of a talent cometh down out of heaven upon men and men blasphemed god because of the plague of the hail for the plague thereof is exceeding great the course of the world under these awful judgments is noticeable as indicated by the last quotation there is observed a gradual hardening and sinking in depravity under all this display of the supernatural and wrath we read that after the first warning men were terrified and cried out in alarm seeking a place of concealment and calling on the rocks to cover them but that is only fear and not repentance after the first course of judgment it is recorded that they repented not of their murders nor of their sorceries nor of their fornications nor of their thefts later they kill the witnesses of god and make merry over it still further they are angry as they hear that the end is approaching and later still worship satan openly as their lord and master and engage with his vicegerent and in all his persecutions and diabolism and uncleanness now as the terrors of the last judgment are actually falling upon them we read three times as follows they blasphemed the name of the god which hath the power over these plagues and they repented not to give him glory after another plague they gnawed their tongues with pain and blasphemed the god of heaven because of their pains and their sores and they repented not of their works and at the last men blasphemed god because of the plague and the hail all that display of the reality and terror of eternity is in vain it produces naught but blasphemy so christ proceeds to bring the whole age to a close christ begins with the apostate church her fate comes at the hands of the nations or powers of the earth with whom she has engaged in harlotry she is first cast down from her high position then stripped of her rights and privileges and property and finally destroyed by the killing of her leaders the ruin of her edifices and cessation of her worship the historical interpretation shows such a partial treatment by the world of the roman harlot and mother of harlots which is the figure and perhaps the nucleus of the coming apostate church there is nothing left now but antichrist as an object of worship he sits openly in christ's stead taking the worship of men he is not satisfied by anything short of divine honours paul has him in view in these words the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition he that opposeth and exalteth himself against all that is called god or that is worshipped so that he sitteth in the temple of god setting himself forth as god mankind is demonized they have so come under the influence of satan that all are as devils and worship the head of the satanic kingdom as some are professedly and openly doing to-day this is the final result of the promise ye shall be as gods they are as devils this is the end of the irreligion and so-called liberalism and anti-christian science formalism 
and infidelity this is the result of world-seeking life and ambition and turning after whatever promises success making success rather than the will of god first and catering on the part of the church to the world and seeking its aid and coming to its aid in all its schemes instead of coming out from among them and being separated there remains the great ecclesiastical and social system nurtured and supported by the seductive influence of the false spiritual church restraining men and keeping the baser sought in subjection of the enrichment of the others this comes now before god for judgment that christless godless civilization has by this time become world-wide the ideal of the vain dreamers of this age has come to pass mankind and civilization are coterminous before the destruction of the chaff the last remnant of the wheat is saved there are some of god's people on earth for the call is sent out to those in babylon come forth my people out of her that ye have no fellowship with her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues this is the last call of christ he has people then even in babylon at the very end of the judgment these are taken out probably by another translation the spiritual influence of the apostate church being gone there is nothing to uphold the great system of antichrist in an instant like the falling of a great stone into the sea babylon is overwhelmed the vast structure of that mightiest of civilizations and perfection of social systems is in ruins by what stroke this comes whether by inward convulsion or outward invasion we cannot now know this will be the most awful stroke which so far has fallen on the world all the past calamities which fell on man produced but curses and blasphemies but the overthrow of their glorious state and means of gain and enjoyment breaks the world's heart such mourning the world never witnessed a whole chapter is given to the world's lament following the overthrow of antichrist and his host is given the scripture already quoted which however it is again necessary to consider and i saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them and i saw the souls of them that had been beheaded for the testimony of jesus and for the word of god and such as worshipped not the beast neither his image and received not the mark upon their forehead and upon their hand and they lived and reigned with christ a thousand years the rest of the dead lived not until the thousand years should be finished this is the first resurrection blessed and holy is he that hath a part in the first resurrection over these the second death hath no power but they shall be priests of god and of christ and shall reign with him a thousand years there are two separate companies spoken of here as reigning of the first it is simply said i saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them this refers to the whole company of risen and reigning saints who in all the past time prior to the judgment and during it were either translated or resurrected in the successive resurrections or translations already spoken of 
they are now enthroned and associated with christ the second company is specifically described as those who during the reign of antichrist were beheaded as martyrs of christ because of refusing to receive the mark of antichrist upon their heads or hands the souls of these john saw this is equivalent to saying he saw their martyrdom the same expression is used in the beginning of the apocalypse as to the first martyrs this completes the first resurrection and is added blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection the common misapprehension is fallen into of applying the part concerning the martyr company to the whole company of the saints the reasons for rejecting this interpretation are as follows first it wholly disregards the first clause and assumes that it is merely a prior statement of what follows but the connecting conjunction shows temporal sequence it is a statement as to one great general company followed by a more particular statement as to another special class second it perverts a careful description of a specific company who are designated as existing at a particular time and as having died by a particular cause and in a peculiar manner and forgetting or disregarding this plain description applies this to all the saints who have ever lived at any time and died by any cause and in any manner such is not precise and careful exegesis it is a fault of the system of interpretation protested against in this chapter and is disastrous as to obtaining accurate results the interpretation of this important passage which applies it to all the saints is fatal to the argument for the second or separate resurrection of the saints if these beheaded saints are all who are to rise and reign with christ then the vast number of believers are shut out for a careful and particular description of a particular class excludes others the expression this is the first resurrection extends to the whole account and embraces the two classes the great previous number and the last it is as much as to say this completes the first resurrection the general plan of the resurrection of the saints declared by paul has been noted each in his own order or rank it is the figure of a marching army so the saints are gathered in by generations by companies by classes rank by rank coming up from the judgment age to appear before their lord and then to be judged and rewarded by him as each is found worthy the last company of risen saints are the martyrs of antichrist and the death by which they glorify god is by beheading this completes that special body called the church the bride it began in martyrdom its first members so went to their reward in this company we see the last also going in the same way every member of this church of christ is therefore enclosed in this blessed parenthesis of holy martyr companionship and although in our day we have not been called upon to suffer martyrdom we may be in the company of those who have so suffered if we suffer with him we shall also reign with him includes any form of trial and hardship for the sake of christ
the event which follows the fall of the false church and the completion of the true church and its formal union to christ is the great ceremony so much referred to by himself on earth and even spoken of in the old testament it is described as follows and i heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thunders saying hallelujah for the lord our god the almighty reigneth let us rejoice and be exceedingly glad and let us give the glory unto him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife has made herself ready and it was given unto her that she should array herself in fine linen bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints and he saith unto me right blessed are they which are hidden to the marriage supper of the lamb it was the marriage supper of the lamb christ referred to when he said at the last supper but i say unto you i will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when i drink it new with you in my father's kingdom every celebration of the lord's supper is a forecast of a greater supper the sacrament looking not only back to the last supper but forward to this coming and greater one this outlook is often forgotten in the memories of calvary but the apostle reminds us of this aspect of it in the words we show the lord's death till he come there follows the overthrow of babylon the great battle of the day of the lord it is the culminating of all anti-christianity the contending sides are led by christ and antichrist in person there has been in all the judgments so far no direct act of christ upon the world he has acted through angels and natural or cosmical agencies in fact save the calling of his people and his first appearance he has been all this time so far as any record shows unseen by the world as he is to-day it is probably this absence of the visible christ and the unbelief to which this gives rise which hardens the hearts of men in the almost incredible degree we have seen satan has not only persuaded mankind to forsake god but to serve himself and finally after the overthrow of their last resource to array themselves in mortal conflict against christ the preparations for the conflict the war of the great day of god have been long making for we read of three emissaries of satan going forth to prepare the forces of satan for the conflict they are thus described in symbolic language and i saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits as it were frogs for they are spirits of devils working signs which go forth unto the kingdom of the whole world to gather them together unto the war of the great day of god the almighty behold i come as a thief blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame and they gathered them together into the place which is called in hebrew har megadon the number three is the number of deity and also of the natures of man there is a reference to both an imitation of the working of god as we have seen and also an appeal to the threefold nature of man 
the three influences which satan will send out will probably appeal to the man's physical social and spiritual natures they will therefore be material social and religious forms of satanic influence the figure of the creature chosen calls attention to the low and unclean nature of these influences and their effects and that they come in darkness and are unseen in their secret work of influencing the world against the religion and people of christ some influences now existing may show that these which are to come may be alcohol socialism and spiritualism may be taken as representative three forms of satanic influence each appeals to one of man's natures around each of these may be grouped a circle of kindred agencies with alcohol may be grouped all the narcotics drugs and drinks with which the world is now physically intoxicated the demand for which is growing at an appalling rate with socialism must be considered all the forms of revolutionary change now proposed such as communism in france nihilism in russia and anarchy in america with the third should be placed all such anti-christian belief as theosophy christian science and all the forms of occultism hypnotism etc in this conflict is seen the son of god who now appears personally and visibly before the assembled powers of earth who are now arrayed in open as they have been in secret rebellion against him christ's eyes flash with the fire of the wrath of god vengeance is in his hands his garments are stained with blood it is the blood of calvary and of his saints which this guilty world has shed it is the blood this apostate world has trampled underfoot and counted it an accursed thing this blood of calvary is now the most awful witness of the guilt of man it has never been repented of by the world every rejecter of christ has thereby as well as by his affiliation with the enemies of god become a guilty accessory after the fact the titles applied to christ in this act of divine judgment upon which he now enters are first the word of god and also king of kings and lord of lords the first is that by which he is called the second is written on his thigh the first is his immediate title and expresses the thought that this is christ in his creative power now fully resumed all the time of the present dispensation of grace he is called christ and is represented as seated on the right hand of god who tells him sit thou on my right hand till i make thine enemies the footstool of thy feet acts two thirty four and thirty five the time for this has come the mercy title is laid aside he is no longer christ the world the other title is written on his thigh the place of the sword the place of strength it is his coming position which he now enters upon so far christ has been king de jure now he becomes king de facto he has been lord to his church now he becomes lord of all christ is from henceforth until the consummation king of kings and lord of lords the great battle of the day of god 
and its outcome is thus described and i saw the heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat thereon called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war and his eyes are a flame of fire and upon his head are many diadems and he hath a name written which no one knoweth but he himself and he is arrayed in a garment sprinkled with blood and his name is called the word of god and the armies which are in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and pure and out of his mouth proceedeth a sharp sword and with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of almighty god and he hath on his garment and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords and i saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the birds that fly in heaven come and be gathered together unto the great supper of god that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and that the flesh of horses and of them that sit thereon and the flesh of all men both free and bond and small and great and i saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat upon the horse and against his army and the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought the signs in his sight wherewith he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image they twain were cast alive into the lake of fire that burneth with brimstone and the rest were killed with the sword of him that sat upon the horse even the sword which came forth out of his mouth and all the birds were filled with their flesh and i saw an angel coming down out of heaven having the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand and he laid hold on the dragon the old serpent which is the devil and satan and bound him for a thousand years and cast him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him that he should deceive the nations no more until the thousand years should be finished after this he might be loosed for a little time no words can add to this inspired description nor indeed to any of the apocalyptic narratives therefore we transcribe them entire what all this means we can now only know in part we know the array is antichrist at the head of the united forces of the world completely submissive to the will and probably so armed to make the present armaments of the nations appear as the rude weapons of savages it will doubtless be a fearful array of devices of satanic invention letting loose powers of destruction of wide-sweeping scope and awful energy operating from above and from below from air and earth and rendering conflict with any earthly foe a scene of cyclonic destruction the riders on the white horses are the angels who everywhere are described as coming with christ in vengeance to the world the saints are never spoken of as taking part in the judgments until the end not until victory is won is the church given a place of power the armies of heaven are much spoken of in scripture 
it is their greatness which gives christ one of his grandest titles lord of hosts these vast hosts are now marshalled in dreadful array let no one suppose all this is figurative there are such armies angels are as real as human beings they have forms and bodies and locality and identity and have means of movement and exercise strength and have occasion for all they possess for they are not omnipotent they are now to meet one who is equal in strength to themselves contests of the angels with satan are frequently recorded in scripture we can let our minds dwell upon this scene but only as children no doubt christ waits to give one last opportunity to the assembled world as they gaze upon him and his mighty hosts to show repentance or at least some sign of submission so he waited until a week after noah entered the ark so also he delayed until pharaoh was in pursuit of the israelites and actually upon them before he overwhelmed them so also he came and saw lot threatened and his house assaulted before he led him out and destroyed sodom and again when sennacherib besieged jerusalem god waited until all possible opportunity had been given before permitting the angel of death to draw and wield his sword against him it is the divine way so now man is warned in every way and god waits until he is in actual array against him and no doubt until he strikes the first blow the first act of christ is to destroy the head of the opposing host antichrist and his prophet are taken and cast into the lake of fire there is here also mercy displayed in so beginning the overthrow of the enemy if there is any willingness to repent among the rank and file it does not appear god is to be justified in this as in all his judgments this first act seems to be performed by the angels as in the final part of the conflict they are used but not in the great act of judgment the actual overthrow of the anti-christian hosts is described by paul you that are afflicted rest with us at the revelation of the lord jesus christ from heaven with the angels of his power in flaming fire rendering vengeance unto them that know not god and to them that obey not the gospel of our lord jesus who shall suffer punishment even eternal destruction from the face of the lord and from the glory of his might when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be marvelled at in all them that believed christ alone wars in that battle none other is needed save to gather up it is by the sword of his mouth christ smites the hosts of antichrist it is as the word of god he acts one word from him who called all things into being is sufficient christ speaks the awful word and the wrath of almighty god leaps forth as a sword from its scabbard and in millions of fiery points touches every soul of that human array and as if stricken by the lightning's flash they sink into instant death the angels do their part the battle is over but another act follows 
During all the ages of man's history, Satan himself has suffered no personal punishment save deprivation of his once glorious place as one of, perhaps, the highest of the angelic hosts and subsequent expulsion from heaven. But now he feels the heavy hand of divine power and is cast into the abyss so feared by the demons in the time of Christ and where the apostate angels are who kept not their first estate during all this time christ has not forgotten his ancient people he has followed them in chastisement and he will turn to them in blessing every nation who has oppressed them has suffered for it and every nation who has favoured them has been the richer they shall prosper that love thee is god's promise to such there is nothing more clearly stated than the predictions of their restoration first of their own land and second of their jehovah they are to return as a nation into possession of their land this is in every one of the prophets it is spoken of the jews and of the remaining ten tribes called israel it is in the prophecies given after the return from babylon it is in such form as to show it has never taken place they are to return in their present state they are to be favoured by the nations in this and to return with their wealth and become autonomous and to rebuild their temple there are intimations running through the record that the ancient people of god have a great part in the day of the lord these are alluded to under three figures the first is the temple which the apostle is commanded to measure indicating appropriation and preservation their religious polity is to be preserved during all this time the outer court probably the renegades from their ancient faith the so-called reformed israelites are given over to the world in the second type the true faith is represented by two witnesses who testify against the abominable worship of antichrist into which the whole world except the true ones of israel falls once more israel is god's witness on earth the third symbol shows israel again in her spiritual and ancient position as regarded by her jehovah she is represented as a glorious form clothed with the sun and having a diadem of twelve stars it is israel as her messiah sees her now the past apostasies are all forgotten she is the temple of god the witness of god the bearer of the son of god into this world this latter is reviewed and the story of the redemption as if it was all full and by israel she has come back to her appointed place it is by the death of her divine son satan is cast out of heaven and it is because of hatred to her and her seed that he rages now on earth it is for the deliverance of herself and her seed that christ is working now in judgment all is israel as if she had never fallen her sins and iniquities are remembered no more satan will do all in his power to destroy them knowing their place in the heart of christ and in his purpose he will first try by flatteries to seduce them into apostasy from god and into allegiance with himself 
failing in this he will attack them by force their city will be again imperiled and by a more fearful fate than before as they see their danger they will repent and call upon god for his help in their distress christ will appear for their relief indeed this is the immediate occasion of his coming at this time and place they are to be converted as a nation by this appearance of their messiah whom they will recognize and see him to be jesus paul gives his own conversion of a type or rather as a part of that of the whole nation he speaks of being converted as one born out of due time that is prematurely for the natural figure forbids the idea of a procrastination they are to look on him whom they have pierced and to mourn the very substance of their mourning is given in the fifty-third of isaiah which is not only the prophet's lament over their hardness but their own lament in that day over their own unbelief it will break their hard hearts to think they crucified and so long refused their own jehovah they will receive him and be for ever his the event upon which christ enters next is described in the parable of the sheep and the goats this is another in the series of judgments which characterize the day of the lord and give it its general name the judgment day this must be distinguished from the judgment of the saints and also from that of the great white throne usually called the general judgment these judged are living nations while in the latter it is the dead small and great these are not synonymous terms for the former are living while the latter are the dead in the former there is no reference to a resurrection the name of the position occupied by christ is different the throne of his glory and the great white throne will be seen by careful close study to be essentially dissimilar in time of character as describing christ's offices as unlike as the throne of christ from either of them the latter is for the church the throne of glory for the regenerated earth the great white throne for all mankind of every age and probably for all existences of every world the term of judgment are also dissimilar no books of record are opened nor any conduct of the judged except on one point companies of the saved are here mentioned in the later judgment none are spoken of in this judgment the saved do not know they are to be saved they are judged not by such faith as those now coming but by works and a single kind of works those coming in our age do all for christ's sake this company do not know they even tried to do anything for him in this the last are sent to punishment before satan but in the last judgment they are sent after satan's condemnation the nations referred to here are those exclusive of israel the gentiles it is to these the word is applied specifically over a hundred times out of the hundred and thirty-two occasions of its occurrence the fact that the parable occurs in the gospel of matthew and nowhere else also points to a special reference to israel by my brethren is included doubtless all of the people of christ but especially the israelites all of whom are the subjects first of the seductions and then 
the malignity of antichrist and suffer untold hardships in that day it is the treatment good or evil of these which wins eternal life or eternal condemnation the rule of procedure or judgment is as follows he that receiveth you receiveth me and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me he that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward and he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward and whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple verily i say unto you he shall in no wise lose his reward end of chapter six part three Recording by Linda Pretorius